All right. Uh, welcome to uh, another episode of the Have You Heard This podcast with your hosts, Craig and Andrew. This is Craig. Andrew's on the other side of the microphone there. Hey, Craig. How you doing? Good, Andrew. How about you? Doing all right. Let's talk about guilty pleasures. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive right in. We had we took a two-week break, uh, some travel and, and academic schedule spring break prevented us from talking, but... Uh, Andrew suggested talking about guilty pleasures, which is always a fun topic. You get to sort of air some of the stuff that you're mildly embarrassed to listen to and get it out in the public and, and maybe then not feel so embarrassed to listen to it. But I, I mean, I love this topic, but I also, before we share a couple of guilty pleasures, I think we have to kind of do a little bit of like the interrogation of what a guilty pleasure means, because I think it is a shifting definition. So when, when you talk about a guilty pleasure for you, Andrew, what does that mean? What, how are you defining guilty pleasure and why is it guilty? All right, so I define a guilty pleasure pretty much whether or not if I'm in a car and you know I'm driving up to my friend's place, uh, whether or not I want to turn down the music or I want to change it okay. for them. Like I feel like, ooh, I don't know if they're if they're gonna judge me. I guess if you feel like they're the way they look at you is gonna change, and I think that really gets gets to what it is. Is it the music you like it, but it doesn't seem to vibe with uh, what you're trying to project to the world. So if you're like in a car solo, you might be blasting it. Oh, uh, yeah. But as soon as you come to the stoplight, the windows go up and the volume comes down a little. That, <laughs> exactly. That, yeah. That's the guilty pleasure test. I, I mean, I think that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. It is It is this idea that like it doesn't in whatever way it doesn't jive with the way you want to present your taste to the world. And therefore, it's a guilty sort of embarrassed pleasure but I, I, I was talking to I was talking to my fiance about this a little bit earlier in the day, and I, I sort of wonder if the idea of a guilty pleasure has changed a little bit, like in that our cultures become so ironic, and we have reality TV, and we have people sort of shouting guilty pleasures from the rooftops and advertising all parts of their tastes. Like, I, I there there was a time where I might have said like Katy Perry is a guilty pleasure or Taylor Swift, but now it feels like well I would I don't know I, it feels like that. You can't claim those people anymore because they're acknowledged as important, good pop singers, and it, it, they just—it feels like there's almost a backlash to saying someone like that is a guilty pleasure, and that they should just be considered really great musicians. I, I does that like so? Those are not people I'll talk about when I pick a few tracks, but maybe there's some meshing of high and low culture or a way in which guilty pleasures have also become. A more proud thing and the guilt has kind of gone away from it does that that's my sense a little and i don't know exactly what happened in the culture to make that true um but it seems like pop being a guilty pleasure no longer feels like a real valid stance maybe because everybody kind of has sold out in the sense of there's no doesn't seem to be much credibility left to like deciding not to make all the money you can off your music you know i I definitely get that sense too. People seem to be owning their quirks and their uh, weaknesses a little bit more today, maybe than when we were younger. Um, I have a story where uh, a few people at my work, uh, they loved girl pop, girl pop being the Katy Perry and the Miley Cyrus songs like Wrecking Ball. And they almost took it even farther and they were proud. Like they were, they were really proud about it and spoke of it in tones like it was the Beatles or Bruce Springsteen or they're very into it. And so you're right. And, and historically those would be guilty pleasures yet now, you know, guys in my work or. So was that, was that like an, ironic? like, was that like an ironic, I, 
I couldn't the tell. Tone it was of that very difficult like... to know. It, it was like stra- <laughs> I mean, it was stra- it was like that new way of straddling the line between ironic and non-ironic. Very kind of that hipster style where you're like, are you, are you being serious right now? I can't tell, but you do but seem in, like you know a lot about this music. In either way, you've put a lot of time into actually thinking through your opinion, whether it's ironic or not. You still have given the time to listen to the stuff, to understand it, to have a sense of like who the major acts are in girl pop. Like it's, it's, it, at a certain point, it hardly matters ironic or not. Like those, those are held opinions that you've thought through and you still want to have a, a way to articulate them. Exactly. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, for me, I still have guilty pleasures. I still yeah, feel like yeah. there are a few that I just, mm, I don't know what people would think about this. But it's, but it is a very individually defined thing because what, what you might talk about as a guilty pleasure obviously there's something elitist just about labeling it that way like mm-hmm. when we when we dive into a couple of our guilty pleasure songs like we're talking about artists who for other people like it is their favorite artist <laughs> that they turn all the way up when other people are in the car and there's yeah. nothing guilty about it and <laughs> and we're listening to that but also like shuttling it off behind some closed door it, it there's something about it that seems strange in that way and um but whatever i mean I, everybody defines it individually so What's what's a guilty pleasure song for you? Okay, so my first guilty pleasure song is um, a song by Duck Sauce. Uh, the The name of the song is NRG or Energy. Uh, this version is the Skrillex remix. I think there's actually three re- remixers on this, but Skrillex is kind of the main remixer. Uh, Doc, Duck Sauce is a side project uh, of A Track and Arman Van Helden. A Track is probably the one that most people know. Um, he's very Kind of famous in the GJ world, he's he's a little bit like Steve Aoki. He's just kind of like almost a professional personality. He's just all over the place. Uh, this song is just ridiculous. It's just <laughs> from start to finish. It's one of those songs where you're just like, "Are you serious?" You just keep saying that over and over. It's really high tempo. It's got this crazy um, kind of '80s uh, aerobics beat to it. It kind of conjures that up. It's got this very high pitched, uh, almost like childish voice that drives the chorus. And then with the Skrillex remix, you have these crazy sounds that kind of come in between. They're not really classic dubstep, but they're definitely dubstep influenced. It just makes for this very intense, uh, very high energy song that I think the original was a little too sugary, a little too sweet. Like you get sick of it. It's very funny, but it's one of those songs where it's funny and then you move on. And this one just has kind of a depth to it with the Skrillex beats and this intensity. I love this song. I've listened to this song 10 times in a row. I just love it. Wow. Well, let's, I have, I had a strong reaction to the song, but maybe we should listen to yes, it. Yes, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Here. Let's, let's listen to a little bit of it just so the listeners can make up their own minds about whose side they're on here. So I feel at this point I need to remind you that your previous comment about elitism and <laughs> it's, before I, you it's, uh... <laughs> no I it, I I would say no elitism to this in any way but 
the only thing I could think of to this song was like it felt like being in a a five minute NBA timeout. Like I, <laughs> I don't. I guess you will have to attend an NBA game or any sport. Like just like really loud, really ah, oh, just no place to grab onto the song. Like I, I, you said it changes pretty quickly, and it does, but I. No change was better than any other. Like I wanted the song over <laughs> despite every change. And I just felt like I was like listening to some guy on a PA system, like waiting for the teams to break the huddle and just please like have this fade out and let's get back to the action on the floor. Like it just, it's this amped up high energy thing, but oh, I, I couldn't stomach it. That's I, exactly I why I love it. It's just, it's so like hundred percent full throttle. I think a part of why I like it is I know it's annoying. Like I do know it's annoying. There's that part that you understand about that, but you're just. I mean, the commitment on the part is there. Yeah. The commitment is there from the song. I will acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 owns what it is, um, and perhaps that's why it, it is so polarizing. But ten times in a row, that just is get amped up, man. This stamina. is like my if I if I could like choose the the song at the gym when I'm like really going like for a PR or something, a big heavy lift or something. This would be it. Cause it's just, oh my gosh, you just want to run through the wall, but, <laughs> but it's also like, not only do you want to run through the wall, but you also like want to annoy everyone around you. So I understand oh that part. Too. But uh, this, this is definitely the guilty pleasure that if you're going for that PR and your headphones pop out and it comes through the speakers, <laughs> like you could never go back to that gym again. In my opinion. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe people will be on board. People will be on board. Well, Anyways. I, I yeah. So I, thumbs down from Craig. Thumbs way up from Andrew on that one. It is my guilty pleasure. But uh, I, Craig, well, where was? I mean, I appreciate your your love for it, and that one does sort of define a guilty pleasure in that way very clearly, <laughs> I suppose. So I, I guess for a guilty pleasure, a band that came to mind is Good Charlotte, and and the reason they're guilty pleasure is all the reasons you named. Like I, I mean, they're they're an embarrassing band. They they look ridiculous. They were kind of the just the low point of pop punk in terms of bringing it to its kind of natural endpoint of just the most saccharine, sugary, like hook heavy songs. Like, and they just were on MTV incessantly, and they just seemed ridiculous. They looked ridiculous. They were like right in that hot topic, like when sort of punk became an aesthetic that was that was just aggravating and annoying. But I think the songs are there. I think like. This this was a natural progression. Green Day, Blink-182, like writing really hook-heavy, melodic pop-punk. And Good Charlotte's self-titled album, 2001, like that whole album front to back is really catchy, really catchy. And uh, one of my favorite songs from that is The Motivation Proclamation, which I don't know, it's not a great song, but I defy anyone to listen to it and not find it at least a little bit catchy after after the first minute or so. Um, and I imagine Andrew's going to have a strong reaction to this, but let's let's throw to a clip first, just so listeners can, can again be on their own side of this fight. You're so unkind sometimes. I never lied, I never lied, I never lied. Cause I
So, Andrew, what's your what's your history with Good Charlotte or this song? Or <laughs> oh man, I'm yeah. sure I'm you, sure you have an opinion. Yeah, you really touched the point. I, me being from the West Coast, I think Blink One Eighty Two was our kind of flagship band, pop punk band, and I think Good Charlotte was seen as kind of a watered down East Coast version of Blink One Eighty Two. With that said, I like like you mentioned, Good Charlotte is kind of annoying. They kind of went for the more like annoying um, pop punk angle. There's like the skate punk angle. There's a few other angles. But you're right. It's just one of those things. Where you're like, Ugh, I wish I was listening to another another band. Just Ugh, like, how are they famous? There are so much better bands out there. At least that's what it was when it was when it was the case. Motivation proclamation. It drones on for me, but I I don't mind it. I I would ne- I I can't imagine like I wouldn't want I wouldn't go to a Good Charlotte show. I wouldn't like wear a Good Charlotte T-shirt. I have to kind of separate the brand and that band from just like it's a I love this song like. I, I like this album like it's it's a stress reducing album to throw on if I, like but the band is an irritant like the whole band seems like an irritant but that doesn't mean they can't like write a fun poppy album yeah well see I that's kind of where maybe we differ is I think I would if I heard someone listen to this I would be a little annoyed but I wouldn't change my view of them so perhaps your guilt is a little misplaced here because I, if I heard you listen to this, I definitely would not be like, wow. As opposed to NRG, which is probably like, oh, geez, that's different. Um, well, I, th- I think the passage of time is helpful with the guilty pleasure, too. Like, this album is 15 years old now. So it's like, who cares? Like, no, no, I, I think there is a way in which enough time passes and you feel less guilt about a guilty pleasure because it's so far in the past that it's not relevant to the modern conversation much at all. Yeah, that makes sense. You also can... I think there's also just a nostalgia that builds up too. Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I think that's I think that's part of it, and I think that nostalgia is kind of a little bit of an armor for the the guilt. Um, <laughs> what's what's another yeah, one no, you I thought like of? This. I think this is good. All right, all right. Okay, so, so, so my, you're not you're not all the way out on Good Charlotte. A little, a little. I'm not all the way out. I mean, I remember making fun of Good Charlotte when I was younger, but I made fun of a lot of bands. That was definitely right, the, would, the height the height of my elitism. Um, I was ready for for a much more sort of scornful uh, response from you, but I, I appreciate that you let me off easy. Yeah, I appreciate it. If you want to listen to bad music, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Betty Who, uh, this is my second um, guilty pleasure. Betty Who is the the song is um, "Take Me When You." Well, the whole album is called "Take Me When You Go." It's by Betty Who. Betty Who is an Australian singer songwriter, but really she's she's a pop singer. She is pretty much an Australian cross between Katy Perry and Robin, uh, the Swedish pop singer. There's just something really fun and likable about almost every single song on this album. She really finds the balance between a sugary pop song and a level of depth. Um, she also really captures that kind of youthful excitement, energy, fun, exciting summer nights, um, you know, flirting with the opposite sex. She just nails that. And this is just a fun album. I love listening to it. Um, but it, again, it's kind of the pop, the girl pop, um, guilty pleasure for me. One, the specific song that we're going to listen to right now is called Dreaming About You. You might have heard it maybe at Hot Topic or something, <laughs> but you might have heard it. Um, and here is a little piece of Dreaming About You from Betty Who. You went so nice to meet you, to kissing me on the couch, dressing me up in your jacket. And you said you've got to go home, big girl. As you saw the sun was starting to rise. I remember every way that it felt. Because every time I 
Okay, that was uh, Dreaming About You by Betty Who. Craig, what would you think? I, I love this song. I, I, I loved it. And this is one where, for, yeah, like nothing about this to me was like screams out guilty pleasure. Like it's, I just, I mean, she had me when she's singing about specific New York streets and walking <laughs> down West 4th and it's it's lovely in the fall. And I, I kind of love it when you can hear, I mean, ac- often singing hides an accent, but like I didn't know she was Australian, but there's definitely like you can hear an accent in her voice, which I find kind of charming and if I haven't listened to the whole album, but if I mean, if, if most of the songs on this album are even half as good, like this is this this is great. Like I, I mean, I see why it's a guilty pleasure in the sense of like girl pop, and it's like doesn't really doesn't fit into the Andrew like <laughs> sort of taste lexicon. But this is a really good song. Like, and is is she a big act in Australia? Or otherwise, like I, 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 she was brand new to me when you introduced her. But I, I, I think she is. I think she's pretty big in Australia. I think she's also pretty big here in certain areas i mean a lot of people i was listening to this with my sister who isn't into music she's like i feel like i heard this song before so i think a lot of people have heard her in some sense maybe so and i think she's great i think she's got a ton of talent and hope i'm looking forward to what she does next is this did this come from the office with the the guys who were really into girl pop this was not from the office no i i wanted to tell them about this but i don't know i felt like i was gonna get judged because she she was australian I don't know. It seems like it would have been a fast way to ingratiate yourself <laughs> even further with that crew. I That's mean, true. this is this is a really good song. I really, I mean, and I, I certainly see why it's a guilty pleasure because it is at odds with a lot of the stuff you might listen to. But this is one that, like, I wouldn't be, I would be happy to introduce this to people because it's just like this would please a lot of people. It's sort of down the middle. Like, Absolutely. it's it's a crowd pleasing song. It's it seems smart and well-produced and like has a big sound and she has a good voice and is talented. Like this, this is perhaps a reason why people should proclaim their guilty pleasures because <laughs> don't, don't, don't hide this from the world. You even, oh, even holding out on Betty. That's a Hood, very like. good point. That's a very good point. Um, yeah. Well, how do you, how do you feel about country? Is, is there, is there like, are there genres that you lump into like just a whole genre where you write them off or would say that anything you like from that genre would be a guilty pleasure because i think i might i might drop a country song here as my oh so you're okay pick. okay yes i have a hard time with country for the very reasons i have a hard time with rap it's usually kind of very formulaic there's kind of an archetypical person or identity that's in the song so which seems to disallow a lot of the artists to really branch out and do very kind of exciting things with their music um it's kind of like well that's not a country song it seems to be a very structured definition with that being said, you know, there's a lot of great country songs that come out. Again, my sister loves country, if anything. So I've heard a lot of it recently. Um, I'm a huge bluegrass fan, which isn't really country. But uh, let's hear what you got. I can't say I know his stuff really all that well beyond the random number one hits. But I just love the song Telluride by Tim McGraw. <laughs> and I mean, I, Tim McGraw is a massively, massively successful artist. He doesn't need... There's no reason he should be a guilty pleasure, except that he's outside of what I normally listen to. And this is just a big, big sort of radio friendly country song. I don't know if it's one of his best known songs. He has so many big hits and it's a part of the music world I don't pay a lot of attention to. But I know that this chorus is just perfect. Like, I don't really know what he's saying besides just singing along to Telluride. And it doesn't hurt that I'm from Colorado and just like a song about a city in my state. But it's... Just, I, I, I want to sing along to the chorus every time. It's a really pleasing song. He has the kind of perfect country twang voice. This is a well-written song. And 
Yeah, it's fun. And and there is something nice every once in a while about having a song that is outside of your normal music musical vocabulary and just kind of takes you into a different world and you can kind of suspend your judgment of it. Um, I don't know enough about the tropes of big time top 40 country songwriting to have all that many songs to compare this to. I just know that I enjoy it um, when I hear it. So this is Telluride by Tim McGraw. I was 19, I threw my stuff in the car I headed up to the Rockies Got a job at this bar Selling beer to the locals Just barely getting by On the tips from the rich kids There on daddy's dime But when I saw her walking one night I knew that I'd be alright in Tell you right, the snow falling What'd you think, Andrew? You, do you know the song? I, don't, I mean, I, I bet you even you've 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 heard it. You've heard it at some barbecue, or you've heard it on the radio. It's, yeah, I, I heard it. I think I've heard it. I've heard it. Um, I don't remember it very well, but yeah, this is a really great song. If you're going to pick a country song, this is a really good one. The chorus, like you said, is just really catchy and one of those songs that you just can't deny. You just can't deny the quality, even if it's not a genre that you really like. Yeah, it's it's kind of stupid how genre boundaries sometimes keep us. I mean, this isn't just true in, in music, but sometimes just you have these genre boundaries you decide you're not going to cross. Like, I don't listen to country. I don't listen to like in a really good song in any genre is always worth listening to a really good book in any genre. Even if you've sort of written it off as I don't read sci fi or magical realism, the very best in those still still have something incredible to offer. Like in I don't know, you've, you've referred me to some really good sci fi books that I, in general, I, I'm not a sci fi reader, but there are great sci-fi books that I probably wouldn't have read without your recommendation that I'm so grateful I did read. And now you can be grateful that you've heard <laughs> Telluride by Tim McGraw. No, I'm very, I'm very grateful I read Telluride uh, by Tim McGraw. I'm also grateful of all the book recommendations that you've provided to me, which I don't think I've followed up on any of them, but <laughs> I'll work on that. They're sitting there for you someday. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think there is something that's nice sometimes about like, just crossing over into it a genre that you don't know and cherry picking the stuff that's that's been crowdsourced and risen to the top is just like this is a song that millions and millions of people like and there's probably a reason that that's the case like it's a guilty pleasure because people don't think of me as a Tim McGraw listener and that's not the way I want to suggest my taste but that's the kind of weird arbitrary nature of it being a guilty pleasure that it's outside of that usual definition but there's something very valid in, in, in a great song like that. Yeah, that's really cool. I like I like the country element here. I'm I'm glad we brought some country in. Yeah, I opted for that rather than the Hootie and the Blowfish or Ska route I was going to go. And <laughs> maybe 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 that would have annoyed you more. But if we were going to shift gears away from guilty pleasures in songs we are more <laughs> I guess less guilt-free going to endorse, do you have a song of the week for for this week? Yeah, let's talk about songs of the week. Um so my song of the week is a song called Floral Dresses by Lucy Rose and the Staves. Lucy Rose is a singer-songwriter from England. I know her best as a member of Bombay Bicycle Club, which is one of my all-time favorite bands. I suggest you check Mm. them out. Bombay Bicycle Club is a band that is, they're just professional music players. They're great. They're so much better live than they are on their album, and their albums are great. So um, if you ever have a chance to see them, I suggest you do it. Lucy Rose herself, she has a lot of solo work. 
And she's been pretty successful. A few of her songs have over 10 million plays on Spotify. Personally, I've always found her music to be a little too generic um, and a little too soft. I think there might be a little bit of loss in translation here. This is a kind of a bigger issue that I'm just going to touch on, but I feel like a lot of these singer-songwriters from England where I I don't know what it is, but their songs are always a little too overproduced and a little too soft for my personal tastes. Bands like uh, Ray Morris or Benjamin Francis Leftwich and even Ellie Goulding back before she was uh, pretty much just a, like a dance pop um, singer. Her stuff was just very soft and uh, it seems to be kind of a thing that they do. Um, it, sometimes it hits, mostly personally for me, it misses. And that's been a bit issue for me I've that I've had with Lucy. I really like her. I think her voice is great, but for, for some reason it's not clicking. She in the song is backed up by a band called The Staves, who are also from England. They're a three-person all-sister folk rock. Uh, yeah, folk rock. I don't know if folk rock is the right word. Big, big, right for, for yeah. the big on folk, it. little on rock. Um, from England. I've barely heard of them before this, so I'm really excited to get into the back catalog because they seem like a really exciting and interesting band. As for the song, the main singer on this song is Lucy Rose, and she is backed up by the staves. What's great about this is you just hear the quality of their voices. All the singers, all four of them, are wonderful. You basically just have an acoustic guitar. It's very stripped down, and you just hear them. I do think that Lucy Rose's voice in this song with a folkier style, almost a country western style a little bit, um, really lends well to her her voice. And I hope she does more of it because I think it's great. And it's really what kind of piqued my interest as opposed to some of her other work that I've listened to. This is Floral Dresses by Lucy Rose and the Staves. I bet you thought I'd out of these habits. Forgive me. Okay, that was Floral Dresses by Lucy Rose and the Staves. Craig, what's your song of the week? I'll just say quickly about that song that I, I like it and I'm going to go back to it more, but it also benefited immensely because I listened to it after I listened to that <laughs> duck sauce <laughs> song. So it just felt like it felt like going from an extremely cold shower that's just miserable <laughs> into just like the perfect temperature. I'm just like, oh God, <laughs> I needed this really. So. <laughs> The theme uh, of I this realize... podcast is how much Craig hates the NRG <laughs> Duck Sauce song. That's pretty much what we've learned. I didn't realize that she was uh, part of Bombay Bicycle Club, but no, that's a, that's a cool song, and I, I don't really know the staves either, so I'll, I, I will <laughs> happily dive into that stuff more. Um, I picked this week. I picked a, a song by an artist named Michael Kiwanuka. Do you do you know his work a little bit, Andrew? I don't know if you're familiar with him. I've heard a lot about him. Um, I've only listened to a few of his uh, songs and don't know him very well. I mean, I, the reason he was top of my mind this this week is I feel like he's I mean he's he's well he's well known he's he's certainly not obscure but he's he's more in the public eye because um, Big Little Lies the HBO show which just finished its great seven episode run that was just so engrossing 
Um, it's one of his songs from his 2016 album, his new album, a song called Cold Little Heart is used in the opening credits. And it's just, it's a great song. It's used to great effect in the show with like his voice against the lapping waves of Monterey and close-ups of Reese Witherspoon and the other actors in the show. So I'm sure that he got a little bit of a sales bump and just a, a, a general prominence publicity bump from being so prominently featured in that. Um, but it made me just want to go back and listen to his music and he has a 2012 album. He's a, <clears throat> I guess he's a UK-based singer-songwriter, but his parents were born in Uganda and fled uh, Uganda under the dictatorship of Idi Amin. So he he has a voice that's often described as like soul or soulful or classic or timeless, all these kind of euphemisms for kind of like a song that you would hear it and not know when it was recorded. It could be the 70s or the 60s. Like it, his stuff does have a kind of outside of time feel and he adds a lot of jazz instrumentation and the instrumentation really varies from song to song. He definitely seems to get a lot of session musicians and their songs that are mostly him and acoustic guitar. There are others that are, that are seven, eight different backing musicians, but they all, I think, depend is there for their primary like driving force on his just beautiful voice it really is a, a great voice that can do a lot of different things and my favorite song from his 2012 album which i think is called home again that's the name of the album is a song called rest and sort of like andrew said it's just there's not much to say about this other than that the beauty of his voice <clears throat> and the beauty of the song kind of speaks for itself so this is rest by michael kiwanuka I won't let you go that's rest of the Michael Kiwanuka. Maybe, maybe, you know, his work from big little lies, or, uh, now you want to go check out the rest of his catalog. Any thoughts on that, Andrew? Have you, do you, I, I don't know if you are familiar enough to say much about his stuff, but, um, I would totally recommend it. You're right about the timelessness. It's, it's really interesting. I'd love to break down why it's timeless. That might be a separate episode or something, but, uh, yeah. yeah and you, you would stuff. be much more, that's the kind of thing you could describe, uh, with a lot more clarity than I think I can. I just, Timeless just seems like the right word, but I, I think you would be more qualified to say what's going on musically that makes it feel that way. Maybe that can be another episode. Why, how how we categorize? Like, I, I I think I could quiz you. I could play songs from different decades and, and see if oh, you could correctly tease apart. All right, decade we get, we're, we're on the fly. We're figuring out what our next episode is. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll throw these tracks up on the ongoing. Have you heard this playlist and? Um, you can go between Duck Sauce and Tim McGraw and Good Charlotte and a lot of stuff that might be pretty out of sync with some of the other things on the, on the playlist, but that's the point. Guilty pleasure. So uh, great talking to you, Andrew, and, and we'll be back soon with, with another episode of Have You Heard This? No, no, no.